Welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, this morning again, we're going to be in John 17. And this has been a very interesting chapter over the past month. And some of us are, are starting to discover that, you know, how to spend time really just in, in one chapter and really learn a lot from that. Uh, as uh, we've, you know, I think this is our fifth week and I promise I will finish it next week, John 17. Um, and then we'll move on to the rest of it. But it's been a, a very interesting chapter to stay, into, uh, stay in. In verse 18, Jesus has been talking to his disciples, or about his disciples, and he says to, to his father as he's praying here, and he says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And the word sent here is a, is a key word, and we've talked about it a little bit before, but he used it twice here. And the word here in the Greek is actually the word apostello. Well, when you hear that, what word do you kind of think of? Automatically, you would go to the word apostle. So the word apostle is actually me- it means sent one, uh, one that is sent. Uh, so if you thought about that, you'd be correct. It, it's really what the apostles eventually were called. Um, and they, would, you know, they took this really cool word, and they kind of liked it. You know, kind of like, oh, well, I'm, I'm the sent one. And you had the, the 11 that were left, and you know, they added on the other 12, and, and they kind of liked that. It was a seclusive group, you know, it was an exclusive group. And they were like, yeah, we're, we're the sent ones, we're the apostles. And then the apostle Paul comes along and says, well, I'm an apostle. And they're like, well, we're not really sure. And he goes, well, I am. And he would just kind of broke into that. It's a word that we've taken and elevated to a point of going, oh, it's an apostle. Somebody who's, you know, kind of raised them up on a, you know, standard bearer. It's somebody to look up to, something to, to attain to, something to desire to. But I don't want you to get the idea, the idea that it's something that only these guys are. We are called to be sent ones. We are called to, to be sent out into the world, to be apostles for Christ. So I don't want us to get an idea that these guys were, were so special that we could never get to that point. So special because these guys were special. But at the same time, there were, there were men and women just like us. Just like us. Well, we start thinking about that going, well, I know me. I've looked in the mirror. And sometimes I like what I see. Sometimes I don't necessarily like what I see. I mean, you know, you know how we're... we're a lot, of, a lot of times in the, in the Bible, names really mean something. Well, my name, Alan, it means handsome. So I look in the mirror and I go, exactly, I understand that. But there's also some parts of me that ever so often come out and I look and go, well, that's not very handsome, is it? That's not very nice. So we, so we have to remember, these guys were the same way. These apostles, sometimes what came out of them were wonderful, godly, Christian things. And sometimes, as the Apostle Paul would say, man... The things that I do, I wish I didn't do. The things that, that I desire to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't desire to do, I also do. And, you know, it's that struggle of humans. That's that struggle that we have inside of us. You're not alone. And there's so many people, so many of us that get to a point where we feel like, man, I, I'm really alone on this one. I, I feel really, you know, just kind of out there by myself. And I want you to know, 
You're not out there by yourself. We all go through different things. Now, we can separate ourselves out where we're not hanging around Christians. We can separate ourselves out and really lose that support system that we have for each other or that we can have for each other. That's not a good thing. So I want to encourage you not to separate yourself out. But I also want you to understand that, that you're not out there by themselves. We all go through different things. And, and, and these apostles, these sent ones, were just like that. So Jesus come, came and, and really modeled this for us. And he says, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. God literally sent his son. In Galatians 4, Paul explains this more fully. He says, but when the time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive the full rights of sons, because you are sons. God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. The spirit calls out, Abba, our father, our daddy, as we would say. So we have to understand, we have to see this right here, God's perfect timing in God's perfect timing, Jesus came. His, his time had fully come. And this is something that we really should start thinking about and, and really start believing in. Uh, he really does have perfect timing. You know, I spent a lot, of, a lot of my walk with the Lord telling God what to do and when to do it. Do you understand? Those that, 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 that talk with the Lord, do you understand what I'm saying? You're sitting there going, God, I really need this done. And I really need it done by 2 o'clock on Wednesday or 2 o'clock on Friday. Well, come to find out, you know, I, I, oftentimes I'll call this prayer when really I'm demanding God do things. But I finally realize that I, I rarely see that he does what I ask him to do when I, when I come to him like this. Especially when I tell him what to do. And you used to think it was because I didn't say the, the right way or, you know, say things the right way. Or I, I didn't use the right formula when I went to God, you know. Those, those times where I've said, oh, I must have just got it wrong, so he's not listening to me. But in reality, I just got to figure out what my role is in his grand scheme. What is his desires for me in my life? Uh, I love the, I think it's Psalms 37, 4. Uh, the Lord will grant you the desires of your heart. We love that first half of that verse. Grant me the desires of my heart. But we, we forget the rest of it, just like I have right now. But you forget the rest of it, where it talks about when you're walking with the Lord, His desires become your desires. So He grants the desires of your heart because you've been with Him, you know, walking along beside of Him, and all of a sudden it clicks in. This is what God wants for me. Well, I want that for me too. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, God's granting me my desires. We need to start understanding that in the fullness of time or the completeness of time, God really acts. And he does it on his own timetable. And this just aggravates me because my timetable and God's timetables are usually two different things, completely two different things. And it is so frustrating sometimes. And you would think that me being a pastor, I would have this special password that I could bypass everything. Okay, I got the password. I got the end. You know, I, I can get in there quicker than everybody else. When in reality, that's not the case. The reality is, the more I get to know him, the more I stop trying to tell him what to do. And I start asking him, what do you want me to do? And sometimes his answer is what? A, B, and C. Here's number one, here's number two, here's number three. The other times it's just, go out there and be a Christian. Go out there and follow what I have in the word. Learn the word, so when you get out there into the world, you just follow what I have for you. 
But we always think that when we pray to God, we come to God, He has this one thing that He wants us to do in life. When in reality, I keep saying that word reality, and that's really what it boils down to. The reality of our lives is this one thing. He wants us to follow His example that He's given us. So that means we should raise our children the best way that we can raise our children in a godly way. That means that whatever position we are in life, that we should follow his example and be Christians on the job. In the classroom for students, in the classroom for teachers, on the job, wherever, whatever you do in life, you need to do it well and you need to do it for the Lord. Uh, as I, I said a couple of weeks ago, I had a friend of mine that was out, uh, he cleans carpets. And he actually brought somebody to the Lord while he's cleaning carpets. Why? He's a Christian that's cleaning carpets and he just talks about God to this person. And that person was like, well, I just need somebody to, to lead me right through it. And he was able to do it. But our grand scheme of things, we think, well, God wants us to, okay, I, I need to go to, to Africa, or I need to go to, you know, Papua New Guinea, or I need to go to, to this, you know, far off just place that, that we're, where I'm going to be out in the jungle sharing for the Lord. And the Lord's not. I want you to be in the jungle of your city. Back in the 90s, I went to a church, and for some reason, churches always come up with these themes. And I, I've kind of had, a, you know, I kind of go the opposite direction where I don't really do the themes. But, but they have this shirt on, it's a jungle out there. Do you need a guide? And oftentimes we think God's going to send us that far off place to be that guide. When he's sitting there going, you have your own jungle right here, right now. And I want you to be guided by me so you can lead others toward me. And that's an awesome thing. But we have to understand that God is so active. Even as we speak, God is active. And I cannot keep up with him sometimes. You know, the problem is usually he's active in the things that, that I'm not thinking about. And this is because God, you know, he's a, he's a wonderful, wonderful dad. Now, oftentimes when I was growing up, my father, I would be saying, Dad, 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 I need this, I need this, I need to do this, or can you take me here, can you take me there? But what is he thinking about? He's thinking about the grand scheme of things. He's thinking about the family. He's thinking about work. He's thinking about, okay, earning money for, to provide for his family. He's, he's got a broader view of things. But as a child, what am I doing? I want that desire right then and now. See, our, our God is a wonderful, wonderful dad. Because he sees the grand scheme of things as we're living in God's perfect timing. His perfect timing. He sent his son. And Jesus reminded Nicodemus that he was the one and only son. Born of a woman, Paul says. Born under the law to redeem those under the law. So Jesus actually came in perfect timing with his assignment. He came with a mission in mind. He was living his life with a goal. And his goal, according to Paul, was to redeem those under the law. That we might receive adoption as sons. So he came to redeem us. What does the word redeem mean? The word redeem means to buy back, or to purchase, or even pay a ransom. So he came to redeem us, to pay a price for us. There was somebody who we now understand is the enemy of our soul that felt that he owned us. We, we call him by several names. The devil, Lucifer, Satan. But he felt, because of what happened in the garden, 
because of the sin that happened. He feels, and still does feel, that he owns us. And he thought he had the whole thing sewn up. He thought that we were going to be his slaves forever throughout eternity. And he thought this with good reason. We had fallen. We'd eaten from the tree. So his point was, you know, was out there. Except for the one thing. The Lord had a trump card. And what was the trump card? Himself. The Lord already had a plan in motion. And had already decided what he was going to do. He was going to send his son. And that was the trump card. I don't know if you play spades or anything. But you play spades with trumps. And if you have that ace of spades, you know that no matter what happens in the hand, you're going to win that hand. Well, the hand that the Lord had been dealt, he had the trump card. He had the ace of spades. He himself came to redeem us. So the one who formerly thought that he owned us or controlled us or thought that he was going to keep us as slaves was defeated. And this is why Jesus came. This is why Christians are, are happier than most people. I don't know if you watch the news, but they just came out with a, a, a study saying Americans were, were not as happy. We had more money, but not as happy. Now, I don't know how they, you know, you can skew any study any way you want. You know, statistics, you can change everything. But overall, I want to say Christians are happier than anybody else in the world. Studies have shown this, that they're far happier. And our happiness is not based on our circumstances. See, for some reason, people think that Christians have easy lives. How many of you would raise your hand and say, okay, yeah, as a Christian, my life has been easy? No hands? Come on, you're Christians. You should be happy. See, that's the way way so many people think. Well, you're a Christian, so therefore, you've got to be happy. You know, a bluebird on my shoulder kind of life. But they don't live in the real world. So many people look at us and they go, man, they live in the in a church world. They live in a Christian world. And sometimes the world just says, just wait until you experience real pain and then you'll understand. Real pain or trauma. Then we'll see what you really are like. Then we'll see how you really act. But the reality is this. We can still act like Christians during difficult times in our lives. We really can. We have to consciously think about it. We don't react like the world reacts. You're sitting amongst people who have been through some amazing and awful things at the same time. You understand that? The more you get to know, the more you talk to each other, you'll find out we're more than surviving. You really don't know somebody. You really don't you know, get to know them until you start hanging out and find out what their life story is. You don't know what they've gone through. You don't know the difficulties and the pains they've gone through or the triumphs and, and, and things that they've celebrated until you start talking, uh, talking with them. But we're going beyond survival and into success in our lives. A success is a a heavenly success. And no, I'm not going, you know, the route of, uh, I call him, I probably shouldn't say this, Smiling Joel. Joel Osteen. I call him Smiling Joel. He doesn't talk about the difficult parts of life. He doesn't talk about any of that stuff. Reality is, the difficulties in our life can bring us success when we rely on the Lord and, and those that, are, that the Lord has brought around us. That's why community is so important. That's why I'm always talking about, you know, the heart, 
the heart of our church, the heart of our relationships, loving, laughing, and playing together. Because if we build those through the triumphs and the tragedies, we'll be able to support each other. But when we take ourselves out of that community, it's something else. A success of of being who God has created me to be. As Christians, we should be excited about this. You know, to be excited about figuring out that God has created you. How old were you when you figured this out? Some, as children, man, they they totally get this. They, they, They totally understand that, man, God has created all of this. And they're just on that track at a young age. For others, it's more like, according to the Apostle Paul, where we become adopted that as we haven't grown up in the church, we finally realize, and, and as apostles say, that, that we become adopted. That he says here that we might receive the full rights as sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. We are not just possessions on the shelf. This is not like my Diet Coke collection that I have around the world. I mean, from around the world in my office. I got to, you come into my office, I got a whole bunch of Diet Cokes. And you start looking at them and goes, it says Coca-Cola Light, not Diet Coke. It's not like God's going around the world and going, I have this person, I got this person. Let me arrange them on my shelf. So when people come into my office, they can see all the ones that I've saved. It's not like that. We are adopted children with the full rights. I don't know if you've ever um, been around, you know, been around adopted kids. I don't know if you've ever been around that at all. But his love for us is just unbelievably amazing. I have a friend of mine that just went through the process of uh, becoming a uh, foster parent. And he said, just dealing with the, the county and the state regulations and all that stuff, it's, it's just the worst trying to go through that. I mean, it's just, you just get completely discouraged. But in the end, it's unbelievable. The word adoption is such a biblical concept. You know, adoption is about somebody who needed a daddy. Somebody who needed a parent. Somebody who needed a mommy. Somebody who needed a family. There's an intense loneliness for a child who goes through this. An intense need that's there. Now some of you have heard me talk about my cousins and in my extended family. I have a very unique extended family. My uncle has, him and his wife, has adopted 11 kids. Now, they also have four of their own. So, holidays were, were very interesting. We had some friends over and did, uh, you know, smoke some ribs out on the, on the smoker and all that. And every time I smoke ribs and think about watermelon, like the holidays right now, or eat ice cream out of one of those huge tubs like we did at, at Pastor Justin's going away get together. Had ice cream out of one of those huge tubs. Every time I see that, it brings back memories of me hanging out with my cousins. And these guys were, were from around the world. But they instantly became family. It wasn't like I said to my cousins, well, you can't be, you can't be a part of the family. You're from Vietnam. You can't be a part of the family. You're from from Guatemala or Korea or Romanian or any other nationality that was there. Because I was out fishing with my cousin a couple of years ago. And I go, how many brothers and sisters do you have now? And he starts going, I don't know. 
It's just hard for even for him to figure out. I'm like, what countries are they from? He's like, well, I think this and this and this. It's crazy. My uncle's like 67, 68, maybe even 70 right there. And, and he's, got a, he's got an 11-year-old at home right now, which is, which is kind of fun for him. I don't know if I want that at that age. But they become fully family. And it's like that with the Lord. The Lord sent his son so we could be adopted, for us to be fully accepted into his family, to understand the, you know, for us to be, be sanctified, for us to be purified, to be a part of that family. When you think of the word adoption, you think of somebody going to a foreign country and meeting a child for the first time and starting a relationship with somebody who needed a parent. Because that is what the Heavenly Father did. In a sense, he came to a foreign place. Now, he made it, so it's not foreign. But in our concept, for us to understand, it's like him going to somebody somewhere where it's so foreign and looking down and saying, this child needs a father. This child needs a mother. And that's what he did for us. So, you know, it's what Apostle Paul is talking about in Galatians 4.4. But when the, the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons, because you are sons. God sent his spirit, or sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, our father. And what happens here is that the father who came to us, we begin to understand, because of the spirit that he places in us, we begin to understand and begin to think about him as our father. And this is one of the most confusing things for a non-Christian. How can you feel so close to a being that you can't even see? How can you, how can you read anything and what you call the Bible and get anything out of it? I don't understand. And the reason why they don't understand is because they don't have the Spirit within them. And until they do, they will not fully understand that. It's because He includes us into this. We didn't talk Him into it. We didn't earn it. We didn't pay a ransom. He paid that. We just say, okay, Lord, I receive you. Of all the things the Father has given us, that was the ultimate gift. He gave his son. Let's get back into John 17. In, in verse 6, Jesus prays and says, I've revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. Now, what, what happens when something is revealed? It's put out there. It's put out there for everybody to see. It's not hidden anymore. We know about it. We know about God. He's revealed, you know, Christ has revealed God to us. So so we start to understand His nature. We start to understand these things. Why? Because His Spirit is in us. Now all we have to do is start listening to that Spirit. And then start learning from it. It's one thing to, to know things in our head. It's one thing to, to know it just kind of, okay, I, I get it. But it's another thing for it to come from the heart. It's another thing to really know what it is. To know the Father. Jesus has said, I revealed everything about you to them. I've given them freedom. A freedom to, 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 celebrate, to celebrate what he's done for us. And right now as we're celebrating the 4th, you know, with fireworks and family and friends and barbecues, if you're doing that... We have a bigger understanding what freedom really is. 
The freedom from spiritual bondage, from sin that takes over our lives, from past things that we have done. Oh, that's a big one. That's something we hold on to. I did this, and I can't get over it. I just drag it along with me. You know, it's like a ball and chain. We, you know, we call our spouses ball and chain sometimes. Reality is, the real ball and chain is those things that we look at in our lives and said, man, I can't believe I did that. And you're 20 years down the road and you're sitting there going, I can't believe I did that. Like it was yesterday. And the Lord's given us freedom from that, from the things that we've done. We ask for forgiveness and he goes, I forgive you, Alan. Deal with the consequences, move forward, but I've forgiven you. Now let's go. Or how about the freedom from things that have been done to us? True freedom is to release things that have been done to us when we have been wronged. Because when we hold on to those things that have been done to us, and we can't get past them, we can't move forward, we just stay right there. And it's just, it's, again, it's that ball and chain, and we're just dragging it along. The freedom to be able to love again after something terrible has happened to us. True freedom is to no longer be in bondage to our past. To recognize it, to deal with it, but not be possessed by it. Not being able to release something. Not being able to, to, to live with something hanging over our heads or thinking about it all the time. That is true freedom. To have the ability to move on with our life. That is true freedom. And that's the freedom that he's given us. This is why in verse 26... As we've, you know, going through John 17, we were kind of skipping around, but we've covered the chapter pretty well. But verse 26, he says, I've made you known to them and will continue to make you known. Now, what is interesting is this. He didn't just hang around these guys for 33 years. He says here that he will continue. It wasn't like he just came for these guys and affect this community at this time. He came to affect us in the year, what, 2010? He came for you and I at this point. He will continue to make you know. In other words, to make the Father known. How did he do this? He died. Well, he was raised from the dead. He still lives. And through us, he's drawing others to the Father. And that's the ultimate goal that he has for us. To live our lives to a point where others recognize there's something in them. There's a joy in them. There's some, there's some type of happiness that I don't get that I want to know more about. But it's just not you alone because the Holy Spirit lives in us. We don't try to do this alone because if I tried to do it alone, what would happen? I'd crash and burn all the time. But I had the Holy Spirit in me that helps me. We need to understand the reason for our happiness, the reason we can release negative things in our past, the reason well, you know, we can do all these things is because He's given us something, His Spirit. A part of God actually living in me. That's what's amazing to me. God actually allows something of him to live in my life. Go back to the mirror thing. Oh man, you know, look in the mirror and say God has placed something from him into me. That's an amazing concept. And we can either do one of two things. We can either shove it down in the basement, put it on a shelf... Put it away, and just when somebody finally makes it to the inner sanctum of our our lives, go, yeah, here's God. 
Or we can shine. We can put it out there for the world. We can bring it out for everyone to see. And this is the freedom that we have. Jesus Christ looked all through the generation and said, I'm going to reveal the Father to them in 2011. How does he do that? Through the Word of God. That's why we study it so, so often. In every Bible study, we get into the Word. It's so important for us to study the life of Christ. Because he reveals the Father to us. The goodness of God. The greatness of God. It's revealed to us through Jesus and his spirit that he freely gives us. All we do is respond to his call, the tugging inside of us that that pulls us to him. And then we start to understand that he is our father. Now what happens when you start to realize who our heavenly father is? Think of some rich kid, Bill Gates' daughter. What would it be to grow up thinking, man, my dad's one of the richest people in the world. Bill Gates walk in. I mean, if Bill Gates walked into here, we'd all be like, oh, I, w- I want to meet him. We, I mean, that would be our natural reaction, right? Some would be like, whatever, and just walk off. But our natural reaction would want to meet somebody. Would you think that when Bill Gates walks into his house that his daughter goes, ooh, let me get up, it's Bill Gates. No, it's dad, it's father, it's papa, whatever you want to say, it's daddy. Now think about it. God is our daddy. God is our daddy. We want to spend time, to, uh, time with him. He's the creator of the universe. Our dad is the provider of life. Our dad is the sustainer of life. Our dad is the giver of great gifts. And we used to be afraid of him. All through eternity... All through the the Israelites' history, they were afraid of God. God was the, the thing that was behind the curtain that only a few people could get to. Only a few priests could go there to the inner sanctum. And they actually tied a rope as we've gone through the, the book of Exodus. And, and so they actually tied a rope around the priest's leg, the high priest, because if he died in the inner sanctum, how do you get him out? You don't unless you drag him out. And unfortunately, I mean, if they tied a rope around the priest to do that, that means a couple of them went in there, you know, without doing the, the proper due diligence of, of sacrificing and all those things that you needed to purify yourself to get to God. That means it happened. And they go, okay, we've got to figure this out. We've got to tie a rope around the guy next time. And that's what they did. Guess what? That rope's been cut. Why? Because the inner sanctum, that curtain has been torn away. We have direct access to our Father, to the creator of the universe. It is amazing. He died to cleanse us, to pay the price, to pay the the ransom. So we could not only understand our dad, but that we could be around him. Because we no longer have the stain of sin that is on us. We've been purified. You know, that stain of sin prevents a lot of things. No matter how much we understand that he really cleanses us, from sin. For some reason, we never feel worthy enough to go be with God. For some reason, we look at our lives and go, okay, I know I'm a Christian. I know he died for my sins, but I just don't feel worthy enough to go to God. And we need to get beyond that because as we mature in Christ, we start to understand a little bit more. And slowly over time, the more time we spend with Christ, the more time we spend around other Christians, as we mature each other, the more we start to get the creator, that the creator wants to be around us. 
And then he doesn't see that sin because it's been cleansed. That's why his son came. He sees you as his creation. He sees you as a person, as a son, as a daughter, through the adoption process. I can tell you, my cousins, they feel totally a part of the family. Totally 100% part of the family. They're adopted, but they feel like they're a part of the family. In fact, coming across the border from Canada when we were fishing, a cousin was with me in and, and my car and my brother, and, and my dad and my uncle were in the other car, and they go through, and we're giving our passports. And, and, and my dad and uncle said, yeah, our kids are in the next car. And we get up there, and a the guy asks for passports, and he looks at him, he sees my cousin, and, which is Korean, and looks at it and goes, Brothers? We're like, no, cousins. And he just kind of shakes his head for a second and just hands his back passport and let us in, you know. Didn't even ask. But I tell you, my cousin, he's a part of the family because he's been adopted in. He doesn't feel like he's different. We didn't go around going, oh, your, your skin color is different. They were just a part of the family. That's the freedom that we have when we come to God. That's the freedom that we have for Christians. We are part of the family with all the rights that he's given sons. Now in Old Testament history, and I'm almost done here, but Old Testament history, you know what happened when somebody adopted somebody? And this kind of brings a whole new view on this whole adoption concept. Because we adopt somebody that just become a part of the family. Well, in biblical times, your firstborn son received most of the inheritance. Now when you adopted somebody into the family, the adopted son split the inheritance with the firstborn son. So for them to adopt somebody into the family was a big deal because you're splitting the inheritance that the firstborn son's going to receive. It's a huge deal. And actually the, the firstborn son had to agree to the adoption for it to be allowed. That's what God's done for us. He's given us the inheritance to split equally because he loves us so much. We're adopted into his family. That's an amazing freedom that we have today. So as you go out and join your friends and family or, or just enjoy you know, a quiet time at home uh, with the fireworks going off outside, thinking, drive me nuts, but at least you can watch it on TV. When you see the fireworks go off, think about the celebration that we're going to have one day in heaven. I'd like to see those heavenly fireworks, wouldn't you? That's going to be an awesome, I mean, you know, that, that one fountain's just going to be huge. You know, we, we have the Komodo Dragon 3000, you know. I mean, it's a huge fountain. I can imagine the fountain that's got, I mean, the celebration that we're going to have is just going to be amazing. That's a fireworks show that I would, that I was going to say, I would love to see. Now, I'm going to be able to see it. I look forward to seeing that celebration when we join God in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you again so much for the freedom that you've given us, uh, the freedom that your son has given us, that you have adopted us into your family, that you love us so much you sent him to die for our sins, and that he freely did that. I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy, for, for being able to deal with those things that have been in our past, that, that we have done, that you allow us to, to, to move forward with that. Or things that are, that are done to us. Lord, it's so hard to, to get over those things. I pray that you help work in those lives that, that we feel like we've been wronged. I pray that your, your grace and your mercy just cover that, that we can move forward. That we can 
go out there and shine as light, that we not be in the darkness. That when people see us, when people talk to us, when people you know, are around us, they see something different, a freedom that's in us. A freedom that they start to look at and says, I want that freedom. I don't know what it is. Tell me about that freedom. We love you, Lord. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. May the light of his life just reflect off of you into this world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.